folks. So good to be able to bring the word to you this morning. Uh, wow. You know, the testimonies from Victory Day yesterday, I, I am I'm in awe. I'm in awe. Um, you know, I really, I just want to particularly commend everybody who ministered yesterday, those who spoke, those who came to pray. Um, just want to thank you. Can we give a hand to everybody who ministered yesterday? I... I said to Jen that yesterday's Victory Day was just off the charts. I mean, some people who ministered was their first time. I said to them, and some of the sessions they did were the first time. I said, it didn't look like it was your first time. So, so just really, it was just amazing. So what we did with Victory Day, um, when we started, and I, I shared this yesterday, you guys know this. The Lord called us to Peter Maritzburg to plant this amazing church seven, 16, 17, 17 years ago. It was at a victory weekend. And uh, we used to do it over a whole weekend. We used to go away to a campsite Friday night, Saturday, come back Sunday morning. Um, but we've, we've changed it to a victory day for various logistical reasons. But there was some amazing sessions at the end that we just felt we were going to try and summarize and Jen and I looked at it and we said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to carry on. So, so if you weren't at Victory Day, you're going to get some of it here. So some of you know that. You've got your victory, experiencing victory box. And so you can op open it up because we're actually going to be doing session 10. And I'm going to be, you know what, Lucinda, can you do the PowerPoint? I'll tell you why. I've got a handheld here. And I know if I try and do it with a phone, I'm going to be talking into the phone and trying to change slides with a, with a mic. So it's just going to be too much for me. So, so if you could just, um, just do, do that. And then, um, yeah, and then I'm going to use paper. I, I do usually have paper, but uh, <laughs> that's a good thing, Gus says. <laughs> Paper's a good thing. Amen. Um, I just wanted to explain, we, we've, we've decided to Zoom just using the phone. Zoom actually uses a lot of resources of the computer where we are doing all the video switching and recording. And so we're testing various things out. And it's just better to separate them out than trying to do everything with one device. So, so we're just Zooming. There are a couple of people on Zoom. So hello, Zoomers. Welcome to church. And uh, we feel... I've, I've, I've always felt that responsibility to be able to provide a way for people who can't meet with us in person to be able to uh, get the word and connect in with us. And they specifically said, there was a request, they said, quite often we've just had the camera facing the front towards the speaker. They said, can we sometimes turn the camera around so we can see the congregation and feel a part of it? So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, just make the people on Zoom feel like they're part of it. So I just wanted to explain that to you. We all are also recording the message. We then afterwards edit it and upload it and rip the, the audio and SoundCloud and all the, all the wonderful things we do for you guys. So we still do that as well. Okay, so this morning it is uh, lesson 10 in your Experiencing Victory Manuals uh, class. <laughs> and the title of this session is Faith, the New Life. So we finished off looking at, and, and the metaphor for yesterday was the Tower of Pisa. It was this tower built in Italy, the city of uh, Pisa in the 1300s. And, and this tower started leaning, and over 600 years, eventually it was leaning about five meters. And I explained that's like more than from the wall 
to about the speaker over here. That's how much it was leaning. 1990, they thought it was going to fall down. They closed it down. I was studying engineering in the early 90s, civil engineering. I'm a qualified civil engineer. And we actually studied there because one of the things engineers do is geotechnical engineering, which is or soil science in the sense of the structural uh, properties of various soils. This building is standing on soil, and you need, to do, you need to figure out how to do proper foundations so the thing doesn't fall over. Now, they didn't do that in the 1300s with the Tower of Pisa, and this thing started leaning. And the problem was, on the one half, there was really good, hard material underneath in the foundation. On the other half, it was soft, saggy material. And so when the weight was pressed on it, the soft material started compressing and the tower started leaning. So Russian engineers came in the 1990s and they firstly, they jacked the tower up on the one side to make it a little bit straighter so it wouldn't fall, fall over. But they didn't let it go straight because who visits the straight tower of Pisa? You know, you visit the leaning tower of Pisa. But anyway, and then they took out all the rubbish material, the soft stuff, and they literally pumped in thousands of tons of concrete to replace the rubbish material. And it's such a beautiful metaphor for lives. So often, we, 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 we want to build our lives, go places, do things, you know, etc. But then things happen and we want to fall over. Why? Because there's stuff in our foundations that's soft, that can't take the weight that, uh, that life throws at us. And so what Victory Day is, we go down and we excavate and get the rubbish material out and we put in the good stuff, the Word of God. And what we're carrying on to do is, this morning and we want to carry on next week, is we're looking at what's the good stuff we put in there. Once we take the rubbish out, we want to pump in thousands of tons of concrete into your foundations, okay, to use that, that word picture. And what does that look like? And one, of, and one of the aspects of this concrete we want to pump into your foundations once we've taken the rubbish out is this reality of living by faith. The new life in Christ is a life lived by faith. And I want to start off by just putting this first scripture up. Thanks, Lucinda. And this scripture, it's actually not right in the beginning of your notes. It's a little bit on. I think it's under point four. But I wanted to bring it. This, for the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about this scripture so much. And there's a phrase that has been ringing in my heads. My heads. I've only got one. Okay. Okay. It happened in multiple times. Okay. So, and this phrase goes like this. Instrument rated. For the storms of life. Instrument rated for the storms of life. And you're nudging your neighbor and say, what on earth is he talking about? When I was a new Christian, young Christian, I recommitted my heart to the Lord uh, uh, at the beginning of my second year of university. And the church I went to was his people. More than 30, I think 33 years ago, 1988. Eight. I mean, how you do the calcs. 33 years ago. How many? 34, nearly 34 years ago. And we're still part of that church. Amen. I was saying to somebody this week, you know these people who leave churches and go from church to church? I say, I actually don't know what that's like. I've never done that. I've been in the same church for 33 years. Uh, <laughs> don't try it. Cuss says. Okay. Okay. Listen to Cuss. Cuss says something. Okay. Look, I recognize seasons change and God does uh, move people on. But... My pastor spoke this message, instrument rated for the storms of life. And I remember when he said, when he got up and he said, I'm talking about, I was like, what on earth are you talking about? Show me that verse. 
The interesting thing about the message, I really remember the message. I'm going to tell you what he spoke about. But it is the one message that I heard him repeat on more than one occasion. And why would you repeat a message? Because it is such a significant message. And now you say instrument rated. What instrument? Let me tell you the story. So folks, if you are trying to get your pilot's license to fly an aircraft, they will teach you and you start your training, usually on bright sunny days, and you go flying, and you will have an instructor, and he will, first you do lots of lessons, hours and hours of lessons on the ground, where you're learning all about the various instruments that a plane has, and the innumerable instruments. I actually did some research. Some of the instruments I've never heard of, I don't have a pilot's license, so please forgive me, okay? It's phenomenal the number of instruments just a basic airplane has to have according to safety regulations. So you will learn to fly on a bright sunny day. And one of the key things is it's really nice to be able to see the horizon and to be able to see are we flying up, which way are we going. It's really nice to see where down is, the sun is up there, okay. But what they do in pilot training is... You, before you get your license, you have got to learn how to fly that plane only using the instruments and not be able to see out the windows what's going on outside. Why is that? Because firstly, I don't know if you've noticed, often in the sky there are lots of clouds and airplanes often fly through clouds. And when you're in a cloud, you cannot see the horizon. You sometimes can't even discern where the sun's coming from because there's just this glow all over and how about at night and how about at night when you're flying through a cloud and how about when you're in the middle of the day and you're flying through a storm cloud and there's gusting winds throwing the plane all over the place and you can't feel which is up and down you can't see which is up and down and how about you flying at night through a stormy cloud and you still got to want to get home you can't rely on your sight this verse says we live by faith and not by sight Folks, there are times in life you cannot rely on what your five senses are telling you. You can't rely on what you're feeling, etc. Because if you do, you could smash your plane. Okay? And the story is, and, and I actually uh, got, it, got it over here. And let me tell you. So I went and I, this morning I was, I was like, let me give you an example. So this is an actual a guy who's sharing about his pilot training. As part of the training for my private pilot's license, I had to do some blind flying. That is to practice maneuvers aloft using only the instruments without looking out the window. The first time I was preparing to take off with my instructor to do some instrument flying, he warned me not to rely on my physical sensations aboard the aircraft. The instruments, i.e., and these are the instruments, the artificial horizon. There's an instrument that shows you where the, where the horizon is. You've got to look at that. You can't look out the window to see where the horizon is. There is... Um, a turn and bank indicator. I'm not sure what that is. There's an altimeter. Okay, altitude. That tells you how high you are. It's good to know, you know how far you are from the ground when you're flying. Let me tell you. Okay, a tachometer, an airspeed indicator, a gyroscopic compass. Okay, sounds very impressive. Okay, a radio, a radio beam receivers. These instruments are the ones I had to look at. They were all reliable. They could all be trusted. 
But my instructor said my physical sensations during time, during the time I was flying blind could not be trusted. After we took off from Wiley Post Airport in Bethany, Oklahoma, the instructor had me put on a special hood for the next half hour or so. My vision would be restricted to the instrument panel by that hood. I immediately began to understand what my instructor had warned me about. The vibrations of the plane, the engine noise, the unevenness of the outside air all combined to tell my senses that the little Cessna 150 was doing things that the instruments denied were really happening. For that half hour or so, I forced myself to trust those instruments. Even then, at times my physical instincts would temporarily catch me off guard. It was a reassuring feeling to take the hood off and fly that plane with an eye on the horizon and the ground below. Instrument flying is an art. It takes intense concentration and complete trust in that panel of instruments. Unfortunately, pilots are like most human beings, human beings inclined to trust themselves first of all. There are stories of inexperienced pilots who unexpectedly found themselves in clouds, forced to fly by the instruments. They began to trust their physical sensations more than those of the instrument in front of them. And they came out of the clouds flying upside down. I've heard those stories. I tried to Google one for you. I couldn't find it. Sorry. But I've heard them before. All the while, they were convinced that they were the right side up until they saw the ground. Okay? <laughs> and they lived to tell the story. Okay? Unfortunately, the pilots who didn't live to tell the story, you know. But what are we talking about? The, folks, I want to submit to you the Word of God and living by faith in the Word of God are, are, is an instrument panel in front of us. There are times we have got to trust God and not what we are physically seeing. In April last year, pandemic hits March, I think it was the 27th, around end of March, we get locked down. Okay? By the end of April... <laughs> I looked at our church bank balance, and we were down by 55%. You know? Is it? I mean, what do you do? Just say, okay, guys, we're not doing church anymore, okay? <laughs> I'm going to get another job, etc. Jen, you know, get your CV out there, etc. I had to say, God, I cannot look at my, what, these, I cannot live by sight here. I've got to live by faith. I've got to trust you, God, you're going to get us through this thing. Folks, here we are at the end of 2022. And we have not have been able, we, we have, what are we? Guys, with your faith, I, this is a message about faith. Come on. And <laughs> of got me so into 2022. Okay, I'm already there. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Okay. I'm glad you were listening. I was worried. I was just testing to see if you're awake, actually. <laughs> So here we're at the end of 2021, and I mean, as a church, we've been able to pay. Our lights are working, not because we had to make some special deal with the municipality. We actually pay. I tell you, every time I pay our lights, blah, blah, blah. Thank you, God, that we can pay for these lights. And thank you, God, that we can pay salaries, and we haven't had to retrench anybody. Praise God. Folks, in April last year, I, was, I, I just had to go to God, and I was like, Father God, you are faithful. You have not forsaken us. You called us to the city to plant an amazing church 15 years ago. You haven't forsaken. You're going to be faithful. We're going to get through this. You're going to provide. Amen. And I'm using an example that all of us could relate to, hopefully. Amen. Here was a time I could not 
rely on what my bank balance was showing me. We had to live by faith. God, I'm trusting you. You are my provider. You're going to get us through this thing. Amen. And so instrument rated for the storms of life. That phrase has been ringing in my spirit. There are times we cannot look at, like what's our body telling? Yes, you've got that pain over there. Yes, it could be a cataract in your shoulder. I mean, you know, that's how the mind works, okay? But it's probably just mind games. Trust God for healing, okay? So some of you... <laughs> Why? Yeah, but, but, but when you're in the middle of a storm and you have all kinds of phobias, you could think that you have a cataract in your shoulder. Okay, Stella won't. Stella's always level-headed, you know. <laughs> I was, I, I'm saying that because I was actually reading a story recently about a guy who shared uh, all his health phobias, all these aches and pains he's had over like 25 years, and what he thought they were, and it turned out not to be. But it's crazy. I, it wasn't the cataract in the shoulder. I'm using a silly example. But all the fears he had about what he thought he had, he was convinced. Uh, the harm, and, and he says he's, he's convinced he's, he should have died like 15 times. Every time he goes for a checkup, it's nothing. But he's himself you know that whatever it is so anyway i found it funny anyway stella doesn't but it's fine she's got a different sense of humor we respect people with different senses of humor okay okay let's go on instrument rated for the storms of life we live by faith not by sight folks it's not that we ignore we i mean i couldn't ignore uh, our bank balance last year. I mean, we took a serious, we had to cut staff salaries. We did that, okay? We, we, we had to, in faith, make some decisions. But our faith is not dictated by circumstances. If you have a physical condition, do get it checked out, okay? Get medical input. But our faith is not dictated by you know, whatever medical people are saying to us, our faith is in God. Amen. I remember my pastor saying, he said, he said even if I die of a life-threatening disease, he said, I, he said this, I, I, I trust I will die believing that my father is my healer, that he can heal me even if I don't. And that is the, the rub. You know, that is, that is true faith. I'm still trusting you to heal me, even though I still have the pain. Amen? And you can apply this in every area of life. In relationships. Huge area we need to walk by faith in. Amen? I have so there are many relationships. You know, people are complex and they respond just in some funny way sometimes. And you take a particular response and you extrapolate like that's how. And I'm like, that's not by faith. God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to work in my heart and their heart. And things turn around and you reconcile and it's like, oh my goodness, if I've lived by sight, if I had taken what they said or they reacted and extrapolated that, live it on my and, and not trusted you to change their heart, change my heart, who knows, we would, have, we would have parted ways long ago, amen? I mean, I can tell you that because I've been married for 28 years in December, amen? You know that joke, hey, the old pastor, they asked him, Pastor, you've been married for like 54 years and you've never been divorced. How did you, how did you do it? Did you never consider divorce in 54 years of marriage? The pastor says, you know, divorce 
never. But murder many times. <laughs> okay. Okay, that was a joke. Just qualify. Okay. This is going to, I'm going to cut that from our video and put it on the pastor said. Okay. Humor. Okay. There we go. Instrument rated for the storms of life. We're going to look at faith and some amazing scriptures on faith, folks. And what is the concrete we want to pump into our foundations that we can stand the storms of life? When the wind blows against the tower of your life, when, you know, the lightning comes and everything, what is the concrete we put in? We live by faith based on the Word of God. Amen. Next scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Folks, we are looking at what is this new life? We did Victory Day yesterday, dealt with a whole lot of stuff, you know. How the, you know, the blood of Jesus did amazing work as we, as we came to the cross. And folks, this basket over here, we did, what we did yesterday was we filled in spiritual profiles. After each section, we got people to write down some stuff that they felt the Lord was highlighting, that they needed to bring to the cross and be free from. And afterwards, we ripped it up, and we came to the front, and we put this yeah, at the foot of the cross, a basket full of stuff. And we're saying, that is the rubbish we're taking out of our foundations. That was in our life, but that's, we, we're getting rid of it. Now we're looking at, what is this new stuff we're putting in there? What is this, this new life we're called to live? So let's go to the next slide. It says, over here, this is literally from your notes. Um, Christ's work in us is more powerful than our past mistakes, struggles, or temptations. Okay? This is the stuff in this basket over here. Okay? Not only did He save us from our sins and redeemed us from our past, the Holy Spirit also empowers us to live new lives. We are called to walk in the reality of the victory and the righteousness that we have in Christ every day. The old has gone and the new has come. And we want to unpack what this looks like. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 to 4 says the following. His divine power has given us everything we need. Folks, everything we need. You know, people want to look there and want to try this pill. And they want to try, you know, this, this I don't know, podcast. And they want to try, you know, this concoction and, and all these kind of things. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. Through our knowledge of Him. Remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at knowing Him and making Him known. Through knowing Him. That's the source. Who called us by His own glory and goodness. Folks, that is your genesis. That is your origin. That is your start. When God called you, when, he, when you were a twinkle of his eye, before time began, that's when he thought of you and, and planned all of creation, created this universe so that you and I would come at this time. What is the origin in his glory and goodness? Some people say, well, I was conceived in sin. No, you were not. You were conceived in his glory and his goodness. When he thought of you, he thought of the glory that was going to come to him and through your life. You were conceived in glory and goodness. Folks, for some people, that is significant. You were not conceived in sin because you were conceived in the heart of God. And you were conceived in glory and goodness. 
For some people, that is setting you free, just getting a hold of that. This morning when I was reading that scripture, I was saying some people know that you were conceived, your conception is in God, and it's in glory and goodness. Amen? That's where you start, and your origin determines your destiny. Folks, that is your origin. What is your destiny? Glory and goodness. Amen? We go through some rough stuff on the way. But that is our destiny and our origin. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Wow. Participate in the divine nature. We looked at yesterday that our destiny is to become like Jesus. That's what this verse is saying. Participate in his divine nature. God is wanting to give you part of his heart. God has a heart for the whole world to disciple nations, to, to, but, but he's going to give you a part of that. It may be just a couple of people that God has placed on your heart, friends, family, work colleagues, etc., that God has just given you and you can't explain it. You have a heart that they would come to know Jesus. Folks, that is the scripture. He has given you part of his divine nature. If there are some people in your heart, you say, oh, just just really want them to come to know Jesus. You're participating in His divine nature. The Spirit of God, that is a godly, noble, holy, pure desire to, to see people come to know Jesus. You've got His heart. He's working. Amen. Um, and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Okay? Reality is, folks, you've done victory weekend. The enemy can come, still come and knock on your door. You still, this is something that freaks me out. A born-again person still has the capacity to be drawn away by evil desires. I wish it wasn't like it. Amen? I wish you would say, you'll never again have an evil desire. You know, somebody could come and slap you in the face, and that anger that you felt in your BC days, before Christ days, you know, rises up, and you are just thinking in how many ways you are going to smash this oak's nose, okay? I mean, and you can picture it, amen? And then you realize, oh God, no, stop thinking like that, okay? Stop thinking like that. I have his divine nature. God, give me a heart for this oak. I just want to smash his face so hard, fast and continuously. But I know that's not of you. God, God, would you want to save somebody like this? Do you really want somebody like this in your heaven? God, help me, amen? Let's go to the next scripture, Ephesians 4.22. Folks, we are looking at this new nature. What does it look like? Ephesians 4.22. You were taught. So he's writing. He spent two years in the city, Ephesus. He's writing back to these guys. And he's saying, guys, this is the stuff I taught you. If you want to know what Paul preached on Sunday in Ephesus, this is some of the stuff he preached. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. So when, uh, d d evil desires were mentioned in the previous scripture. This scripture mentions deceitful desires. You know, deception is... A I'll just state my mildly. I don't like deception. I'm, I'm just saying it mildly. The, the biggest problem with deception is it blinds you. You don't see it. That's the essence of the word deception. You don't see it. You don't realize that you are being deceived. A deceived person never realizes they're deceived. They, they don't. That's the thing. And it speaks about deceitful desires. There are desires 
that are not of God, but they feel like, you know, like, for example, I want to submit to you. Sometimes you get an anger, and it's a righteous anger, and you kind of think this is a God kind of anger, and it's not. It's a deceitful desire. It's a deceitful desire to want to have revenge and, you, you, you know, somehow, you know, get back to that guy or gal who said or did or X, Y. It's not of God. But it's a deceitful desire because you kind of feel like, you know, and you justify that desire. It's not. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. So you're saying, this is the stuff I taught you. He said, I remember, guys, when I was there, when I preached and taught you, I told you to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Okay? In Romans, um, it says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To have to change your thinking, okay? I remember my pastor used to say, to get rid of stinking thinking, okay? The, I mean, stinking thing, if you have vengeful, jealous, vindictive thoughts, that's not how God views people, okay? Yes, vengeance is mine. And ultimately, in, 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 in the history of, of all eternity, folks, if you, we, we face the consequences for our decisions. Whether it's this side of eternity or that side of eternity, we will. I mean, the Bible says vengeance is mine. But I believe it's more a consequence of decisions you've made, not as, you know, I'm going to get you, I'm going to nail you kind of attitude. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The beautiful picture here is it's literally like getting undressed and getting dressed. He's talking about... and, and Metaphor, we all did. We all got, you got nice church clothes on. But I'm sure none of you slept in these church clothes. Okay, you, put, you had some comfortable clothes to sleep in. Eh? At some point, you had to take off whatever you slept in to put on your nice church clothes. Using thing. And folks, sometimes we say, no, I, am, I, I refuse to think vengeful thoughts or vindictive, jealous thoughts to that person. I put that off. I'm going to, God, give me your heart for that person. God, may I see that person as you see them. Amen. Lord, I choose to bless them instead of curse them. I choose, Lord God, bless that person. Bless his family. Bless his business. Bless all the, the uh, yeah, whatever aspects of his life or her life that you may know about him. That is, this is the new life we're talking about. Let's go on. So we're going to look at four simple points, living by faith. What does it look like? Faith is believing God's word is true and acting on that belief. Instrument rated for the storms of life. There are times that we live according to God's word. And we do not do what our feelings, our deceptive desires want to tell us to do. Hebrews 16 verse, uh, 11 verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. How do we approach God? It is by faith. It is starts by faith. In the middle of our lives, it's by faith. And by the end of our lives, it's by faith. God is so pleased by faith. So many people, you know, often ask, I want to please God. How can I please God? And, and, and they kind of think, well, you know, maybe if I come to church, you know, uh, maybe if I well, pray Read my Bible. Who knows what you want to... Folks, do all of that. But do it by faith. And God will be so pleased with you. He'll be so pleased with you. And he rewards. And folks, the rewards of approaching God by faith are just so amazing. 
He reward those who earnestly seek him. How do we seek him earnestly? By faith. By faith. Point two. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works. Folks, grace is this amazing disposition, attitude. It's so hard to describe grace. One of my best understandings, it's unmerited favor. It is favor. I mean, how many like favor? Hey, I want favor. You know, favor is where... You just, you, you're sitting at your desk and suddenly you get an email, you know. Dear Susie, please would you apply for this job? The interview is on this day. The pay is, you know, three times what you're currently earning. It's like, oh my God, favor, you know. How did they get my email address? Oh, look, they know all about me. They know my qualifications. Like favor, okay. It's a, it's a simple example of favor. But folks, that kind of favor is merited favor because whoever did, they headhunted you. They found out what your qualifications were. They were like, those qualifications we need, we're going to offer Susie a job. It's merited favor. Unmerited favor is, I don't care what your qualifications are. I don't know. I, don't, I, I want you to come and work for me. I just, you know, it doesn't matter, etc. That's unmerited favor. Folks, that's grace. And we come into this, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. You know, so many people, every single religion on this planet is defined by works. You've got to do this for your God, for your deity. Do this, do that. The incredible thing about the cross is he did it all. You just need to, by faith, receive unmerited favor. He has chosen you in glory and goodness. How, how come? It's grace. Grace is the gracious, big-hearted, loving, giving attitude that God has towards us. And he, and he reveals it to you. And your only response is by faith. God, I believe what you did for me. I can't do any more. Jesus did it all for me. It's phenomenal. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Folks. We do any works for God. Because of grace. Not for grace. We Anything. I am obediently Bringing the word of God to you this morning, not to gain favor with God. Because I've got favor with God. And it's His grace upon my life, in this season of my life, to be the senior pastor of this church, to bring the word of God. It's grace to me. It's not a burden. I'm doing this because of God's grace to me. It's a privilege to bring the word. It's not a burden. Amen? And so we do things for God, but not to get earned brownie points. It's because we've already... Our faith in Christ is evidenced by our deeds. This, this connection between works and faith is, is so important that you get it. As I said, most religions in the world, you've got to do stuff for your deity or your God to get favor. The only thing God says, respond to this incredible work of the cross. This incredible price I paid. Just, just believe me. 
just believe me. And even, you can't even say your work, your faith is a work because the Bible gives us the measure of faith. Your ability to respond to God in faith is a God-given grace gift to you. Your ability, you, we can't even say, oh, well, look at my faith, <laughs> you know, compared to whoever, you know, faith. Our faith in Christ is evidenced by our deeds. Our, and this is what James says. He says, you have faith? Great. Let me see your deeds. Let me see the fruit in your life. Let me see where this faith is. Don't come tell me how amazing faith you have to change the world. So let me just see your actions. He says in verse 22, verse 21, Was not our ancestor considered righteous? Righteous is right with God. For what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Question mark. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. This connection between your life, the fruit of, your, the fruit of faith is seeing actions in how you live, in how you love your wife, in how you rock up at work and do the work that your boss expects you to do. Amen? By faith. You do that by faith because you believe God has opened the door for this job space. And I'm going to enter into the job space by faith. Faith, and I am going to live by faith in that space. Ephesians 2.10, we've looked at that scripture again. We are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. The works we do, God thought about them before time began. And we are walking. That's why it's not difficult to live the Christian life. It's walking by faith, believing he's leading you, he's speaking to you, he's given you your work. You're just simply walking in the footsteps that you to walk. It's not difficult. Four. Point four. We continue to live out every day of our Christian life by faith. Remember yesterday at Victory Day, I explained to you that what happened in Galatia, the book of Galatians, to these churches Paul went to. And he, 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 he shared the gospel, this amazing, amazing story of the cross where somebody died for you for your sins and and it was God himself who did this and if you would just respond in faith to this put your surrender ask for forgiveness for going your own way you, you enter into this kingdom of light you're known as a child of God he preaches this they come to, to him by faith but then these guys these Judaizers people wanted to convert them bring them back to Judaism and said okay you've started by faith but now okay now now you've got to do works. You've got to obey all these laws and everything to please God. And Paul wrote this whole book to say it's not. It's not. And the second scripture is there, Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I know, uh, sorry, the life I live in the body, I live, by, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's, why is he saying this to these guys? Because these guys were like, okay, we did the faith thing in the beginning. Now we've got to obey these rules and regulations. He's saying, no, 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 no. It's always by faith. And Jen and I, we were actually reflecting last night. You know, we love to put things, it's, it's, it's by faith, but you also need to do this. And it's by faith. And what about this? We love to add things on. And, and folks, the story of Galatians, Jen and I have so often said, whoops, it's Galatians again. We or us, or them, or somebody, we're trying to put something else on to the faith story. 
We're trying to get into this grace realm another way besides by faith. It's like the human tendency. You, you kind of you want to do something to get credit for it. And like, look how good I am, God. No, Jesus is good. He did it all. Amen. And Romans 1.17 says, For the gospel, for in the gospel, sorry, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. How, how do we live? The means of our life is by faith. What are we doing here, folks? Instrument rated for the storms of life. Last year, we went through a major storm. Worldwide pandemic. None of us in this room have ever been through something like that. We've pulled through. We're still trusting God. We're still living by faith. Amen? I want to say well done. For those of you who are here in church serving God wholeheartedly. You and I, you and I know people who, I, I don't want to say this church, but were, let me say, looking like they were serving God, but they're not even online anymore, you know? They were, they were sitting, yeah? But I'm like, what was in their foundations? What was in their foundations? And, I'm not, and, and, and this, is, this is a story across the world. Church attendance across the world, I'm on some podcasts, church attendance across the world has plummeted dramatically. And even though lockdowns have been lifted and restrictions have been lifted, church attendance is down across the world. I'm like, what is, well, let's say what was wrong in the foundation of people that a storm comes like we went through and they're out of there and they're not serving God anymore. And I'm like, whoa, okay, there was some stuff that wasn't that great in those foundations. I want to finish with this, two points. And this is something that flows out of Victory Day. And um, I want to look at water baptism. Here we go, Lucinda, did you see that? That, that was like kaboom, and, and, and we were out of sync. <laughs> Water baptism as an evidence of faith. You know, if you look at the scriptures about water baptism, I'm sometimes, I must say, I'm convicted that I think sometimes we don't carry the same conviction about the importance of water baptism as the early church did about water baptism. I was again, as I was preparing, reading the scriptures, it was like, well, my wife was on to me. She said, we have to do another water baptism. Now, now I just want to say, we are planning one, and I'm going to share two points about water baptism and why this is important. But this week, some people are getting water baptized as an outflow of Victory Weekend and as an expression of their faith. And let's just read here. Water baptism is an external physical act that represents an internal spiritual reality. The Apostle Peter emphasized that water baptism is not a means for salvation, but an act of faith and obedience after receiving the gospel of salvation. In Acts 10 verse 44, here's Peter. He's preaching to these guys, and while he's preaching, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Okay, Speaking in tongues is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And once you're born again, 
Um, you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit and, and the various spiritual gifts. We're not going to look at them. We have in the past. And so that was the evidence that they knew. They were, they were now praying in tongues. And look how Peter responds. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized. I was so struck. He ordered that they be baptized? Is this some army camp? It's like, yes, general, okay? But folks, it's not that at all. The Holy Spirit was spontaneously poured out. And Peter's response to seeing people just being filled with the Holy Spirit and praying spontaneously in tongues, he's like, these guys have got to get baptized. I was like, God, sure, I see that urgency in this man. Amen? The believe it's so significant. We did the prophetic act yesterday of tearing up spiritual profiles and chucking them in the bin. Okay, and they're going to go in the big bin. They're going to go gone uh, uh, this week. Don't worry. We're not going to try and place them together. <laughs> Don't worry. Okay. But this is the deal. Baptism is a prophetic act, and we're going to look at what that represents. And in the spirit, it's like Jenny was speaking this morning. It's like a boundary in the spirit that you're drawing and saying, I am finished with my old life. I am fully committed to Christ and living this new life, new creation reality that God has for me. And these guys get full of the spirit. And the first thing he says, guys, we've got to get them baptized. Let's look, uh, let's look on. When you get water baptized, you firstly identify with Christ's death, burial and resurrection, just as Christ died and was raised from the dead. Through water baptism, we declare that in Christ Jesus, we too die to sin and are empowered to live a life of righteousness. And on Romans, uh, the next scripture, Romans 6 verse 38, he basically, in Romans, he's unpacking that. It's just quite a long scripture. Uh, you can write it down. It's in your booklets, guys. If you've got the victory booklets, you can read that scripture. I'm just going to move on. Secondly, you publicly proclaim your faith in Jesus. I believe there's, it's important to personally and in the spirit make that declaration. Folks, you know, in Bible times, water baptism was done publicly. They went down to the River Jordan, and they were baptized there in front of everybody to see. And there's something that happens when it's not just private, but you're actually saying, my decision to follow Jesus, to put my faith in Jesus, is not just a private matter, but, but I'm actually... I'm okay, and I want the world to know that I've decided to follow Jesus. It wasn't a private, like, you know, me and Jesus kind of a thing. It was like, I'm, I want the world to know that my life has changed. And in Acts 2 verse 41, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to that number that day. That's when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts 2. In Acts 8, it says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. You know, my story is, I, I recommitted my heart to the Lord, beginning of my second year university. And I come from a very conservative church background. And um, I went to Bible school, and I started studying my Bible, and I just read these scriptures about water baptism, and I knew... When I was like five or six days old in, in our church, I was sprinkled. My mom told me, and there was some little outfit that I wore, and I've seen this little outfit, okay? I, I know about it. It's, it's, it's my, my history. 
But I read in the Bible about people being baptized after they come to Christ as a public declaration and a declaration for themselves that I've decided to follow Jesus. And I just had the conviction, I want to be water baptized. I actually went to my, I went to my mom and I told her, I said, Mom, I, I really feel I want to get water baptized. Uh, her response was, um, um, can you go talk to the Duomini, please? Anyway, that was about, gee, I don't know, 35 years ago. Uh, let me just say I still haven't spoken to the Duomini about it, okay? I went, I went to my pastor and I actually said to him, I said, I really want to get water baptized. We had church services on campus at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in one of the lecture theaters. Uh, and he said, let's do it. So after church... We all, he said, guys, we're having water baptism. Jacques wants to get baptized. Who else wants to get baptized? And there were a whole bunch of other guys. And he said, okay, we're going down to the UCT pool. I was studying at UCT, University of Cape Town. And we were meeting on main campus. And the UCT pool was on middle campus. And we walked down. He said, after church. And there were a couple of guys who had guitars. And we walked down. The guys were playing on their guitars. We were singing. And we pulled into the pool. It was summer. It was like January, February, Cape Town's hot, etc., on a Sunday afternoon, there were a whole bunch of students all lying around their pool, uh, around the pool, tanning, some guys swimming. And there we came walking in singing, I don't know what we were singing. Give me a good song, singers. Okay, we come singing, etc., get into the pool. And I literally got baptized at UCT with all these other people lying around the pool, tanning, swimming, etc. I, I, I got a picture of it, somebody sent me a picture of it a couple of years ago. But it's so significant in my mind. And this, it's, it's a significant memorial for me personally that day that I got baptized. And I'm telling this story because it wasn't something we did kind of secretly at night in somebody's swimming pool where nobody was seeing, etc. We want to invite you. We are doing a public water baptism this week. On Thursday, we've decided, we, 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 folks, we are so nice to you, okay? I decided to look at the weather. And Jenny said immediately, next Sunday after church, we're going to have a water baptism. And I looked at the weather. And next Sunday, I think the maximum is like 16, and it's pouring with rain. And I said, Jen, you know, Thursday is nice weather. Look here. Maximum 34. I said, how about we do it during the prayer meeting? She said, okay, I think we can do that. Okay. So I twisted my wife's rubber arm. We're going to have... On a nice sunny day. We usually have prayer here at church, 5.30. But we're going to have prayer at our house. Okay, next slide. There we go. At our home on Thursday, 5.30. If you want to get water baptized, please let Jenny know, my wife. And we will, we are going to baptize people. Okay, it's as public as we can get. Okay, it's at our home. Everybody's welcome. It's not closed. Okay, everybody's welcome. We're going to baptize you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to prophesy over you. We're going to trust God for phenomenal breakthrough in your lives. Amen? And why are we doing this? Amen? We are saved by grace through faith. And, these, these, and we, are, we are doing water baptism as an expression of our faith because we love Jesus. It's a memorial to say that I have died. And literally, Scripture speaks, there are four metaphors for baptism. One of them is that when you go under the water, it's a metaphor of dying to your old life. And as we lift you up, promise we lift you up. We always lift you up out of the water, okay? As we lift you up, it's symbolic of you being resurrected to new life, life of faith in Jesus. Amen.
let us. Uh, can, can I just have a show of hands? Who, who, who's here publicly says, I want to get water baptized. I'm keen. There's somebody at the back. Anybody else? There's another hand over here. I heard there were a couple of people. There's somebody. There's somebody. There are two people over here. Four. Okay, four. Okay, that's awesome. Guys, no pressure. This is a decision you make. Okay, don't feel like we're going to drag you in. No, 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 no. We're not dragging anybody in the pool. Okay. Um, so speak to Jen if you're keen. It's going to be a joyful time. And get, let the, get the word out if you know anybody else who wants to get water baptized. So I want to just, I want to close in prayer. But I, I want to, very significant. You know, we're talking about surrendering to Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus. And that water baptism is an expression. It's an outward sign to the world of what, you've, what you, decision you've made and what's happened in your heart. But if you're sitting here and you're saying, I have never fully surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never wholeheartedly trust, put my faith in Jesus. And you're saying, I want to do that. Or maybe you kind of did that sometime in the past, but you're saying, sure. I'm not living wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly serving God, wholeheartedly living by faith. If you hear and you say, Pastor, just pray with me. When you just put up your hand, just wave at me. You can put up your hand and put your hand down again. See that hand, a couple of hands. See those hands. Okay. What? A couple of hands, three hands. Folks, this is, this is very significant. This is very significant. And I want to ask you, if you haven't put up your hand, that means you've prayed a prayer of surrender, of putting your faith in Jesus before. And folks, I just want to say, can we pray with these people who want to pray this prayer? Because this prayer of surrendering to Jesus and living by faith isn't something that just happens once in your past. This is the new reality. This is how we live. And so at least three hands. I saw at least three hands going up. Can we just pray together? Folks, you're praying to Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But remember, he looks at the prayer of your heart. He answers the prayer of your heart. So even if you, in your, I know I'm praying in English, but if you want to kind of pray it in Isizulu, remember, the Lord is listening to the prayer coming from your heart. So let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for, for me. I come to you this morning. By faith, and I surrender to you. I give you my life. I say, Lord, forgive me for all my sin. I laid at the foot of the cross. Cleanse and wash me, Lord, of all my sin. I put my faith in you for this new life you promise. For this resurrection life. In Jesus name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg.
We hope to see you soon. God bless you.